Ava, what's going on? You're on mute over there. There we go. <laughs> How are you, Jake? Here we go. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. First time on the app. Sorry for the glitch. No, it's all good. Thank you so much for popping on. I appreciate it. Of course. I liked your story a lot. I love I love that you started off with a beard. That was the first thing we said when he showed up for media, ga- media day this year. So he's one of the few players that I feel like I kind of like actually know a little bit, being that I met him pre-draft in the summer of 2015 in New York um, and then talked to him a bunch when he was with Dallas. I mean, he was with New York for a while. I live in the city. Mm-hmm. Talked to him a bunch when he was with Dallas for my book I was working on because he was you know, part of that big draft process in 2015. Mm-hmm. And like sitting down with him, I'd already wanted to ask him about it, but when I sat down with him, it was just so right there in your face. It was happy to be the first thing I asked him, you know? It's really, like, really changes his entire face to me. Yeah, it's very noticeable. It was funny to me, too, that he would just, he just said it straight up. Like, I, I looked like a kid. Like, I, I, needed to, I needed to have something that maybe not looked like that anymore. And it's, he's right also that it's filled in over the season. Like, when he was, it was pretty wispy when he started. So, you know, he's proud of himself there. I also told him, and this is probably TMI for our listeners, but my parents, when they were away on a trip many, many years ago, um, my dad came out of the bathroom like mid-shave and had left his goatee up, and my mother said to him, you should keep that. It looks good. And he's had a goatee for 35 years, so maybe Kristaps will now just be a beard guy. It, I mean, it sounds like, not, not not to dip too personal, sounds like this is a serious relationship is in. So so maybe the beard is the key for a, a lifelong of uh, matrimony. All it takes is one nod of approval from the person most important in your life. And, and, you know, you're set. So I think you might be right about that. There you go. Well, to things that matter. Um, I mean, <laughs> I had very you. good fortune. The beard matters. <laughs> <laughs> I had very good fortune in that I flew out to Sacramento to meet up with the Kings and they turned into being a real team. Um, ever since I talked to Kristaps, not even ever since, like they've just been losing a lot of games. But ever since I decided to talk to him, when I knew they were coming on the schedule, they have fallen in six or seven and got absolutely torched by Anthony Davis. But zooming out a little bit here before we get back to KP and some other things, where where do you feel about this team that you're covering for the Washington Post? Um, it's... I forgot how weird it is because the wizard, the wizards have been sub 500 for the past couple of years that life is such a roller coaster for 500 teams in the NBA. Like it really mm-hmm. is. It feels like they can be a completely different team from night to night solely based on the effort too. It's not like, you know, sure. They're in a little bit of a shooting slump right now where their offense isn't where they want it to be, but it's not like they're doing massively different things or even really capable of doing massively different things from night to night. But it is like, pretty stunning to see how differently they'll start games. Um, you know, something like they went, they got absolutely smacked on the road again. So this is the third time road in, in Boston on the Sunday after a four night trip in Miami. Sure. That one you can see coming. Um, but then you come out and turn around and, and it's like, they're a completely different team against Brooklyn two nights later where they're, they lose, but they're energetic. They're doing kind of everything they can against KD, even if it didn't go their way. But um, this team has just been so inconsistent. And speaking of KP, he, he kind of started to voice a tiny little bit of frustration. I mean, you know, he is 
generally a very positive guy in public and will never kind of say anything even close to sassy in the locker room. But the other night he said, you know, I, I want to be a winning basketball player and I want to be on a winning team. And we haven't been able to figure that out. Um, and it's solely for stuff like effort. Um, so a little bit of frustration kind of seeping through for the Wizards. And it's just unfortunate that they had a really nice start and have uh, taken a dip here a little bit at the exact time that they started to fall apart last year. There's just too much symmetry there. Yeah, consistency is definitely a word I've heard a lot around the team. Where I, I was at that Brooklyn game and just mm. calling, calling people and talking to ancillary folks around Washington. Like for, I mean, it's great that, KP and Brad and Kuzma are all averaging 20 points a game. I believe they're the only trio in the league to be doing that. But also, like, it doesn't really feel like they're all doing it every single night, right? Mm. And there's kind of been an inconsistency across the board where Will Barton has not been the player that Washington was hoping to come back in that KCP trade that's worked out brilliantly mm-hmm. for Denver. Um, Darrell Wright's been in and out of the lineup. There just kind of hasn't been uh, a steady forward path for this unit collectively this whole year, right? Yeah, I mean, I was I have a story coming out about this that should be up online tonight. But for as good as the main trio is doing, it's insane. Like Monte Morris, whose job when he came in uh, as the starting point guard, Wes Anselt always said, "Just I just need someone to keep us organized, basically to not." <laughs> make sure our offense runs amok every single night. And he's done that. He's averaging a career high five assists per night, but he's having the worst shooting year of his career. Will Barton is having the worst um, scoring output of his career since his third year in the league in 14-15. It's like, it's not just that the role players aren't, aren't really living up to expectations. It's like they're having crazy, crazy bad uh, seasons by their own standards. And that's just... It's not at all what uh, Washington needed from from a couple of those big swings that they took in the offseason. Yeah, Barton, I'm not a shot doctor, right? I'm not, I'm not a, an NBA assistant coach tasked with ironing out the wrinkles of people shooting mechanics. But it's obvious something's different in his yeah. form and, and how he, I mean, he's like holding it out far in front of his face and it doesn't seem, con- I mean, you can you can tell sometimes a pregame warm-up of a player doesn't say, doesn't say or show or tell anything. Other times it says all, the, all you need, right? Like I, I noticed Ish Smith, a, a former Wizard favorite. Um, he's with Denver, I believe now. And I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, he's in Denver. I, was and, saying, I can't remember which team Ish is ever with. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I saw him up close and personal in Dallas. And there's something different about his shot. It's mm. just... It's on it's on his shoulder and it kind of like spins it differently now. Um, like when there's a big change, it's pretty apparent. And I talked to someone with Washington who was like, "Yeah, there's something different, and we got to figure out how to get it working." So clearly, that's clearly the shot has been the biggest thing that I think seems to be the cause of concern, um, at least around Barton right now. Yeah, and I asked. Um... Wes Unsell Jr. about that in Charlotte. And he said he was kind of drilling down on shot selection more and just saying he wants to eliminate tough contested twos, which obviously who doesn't, but uh, he wants Barton to play a little bit more in transition, get into rhythm more downhill. And that's what Barton says is messing him up is the fact that he has never been in a position or it's been a really long time since he's been in a position where he doesn't have set numbers uh, or set minutes every night that he knows he's going to come in and, and the tone with which the game is going to start and everything like that. And the second unit has been a mess uh, with injuries and absences and everything like that. But that's not mechanics. Like, I agree with you that his mechanics look different this year for sure. And it's interesting to me that 
um, folks are kind of at least publicly talking around that as well. Zooming out more big picture, because I, I definitely have taken a particular interest to star pairings, being that it's kind of what the league is being boiled down to right now, right? It has been mm-hmm. the last decade. And I think that's clearly been what Washington has been trying to do ever since they kind of came to terms with the fact that John Wall and Bradley Beal were not going to be a long-term marriage anymore. And they tried the Russell Westbrook experiment. Didn't work out. Um, and it, it didn't not work out. I think there was some optimism towards the end of the season about what that pairing could be. And then, obviously, there were a lot of conversations behind the scenes. Russ wanted to go to L.A. Brad was thinking about asking out and trade Russ for this package that brings back Kyle Kuzma and KCP and others. And, you know, last year, as the deadline came to a close, the Mavericks called back Washington they offered up a seven foot three former all star who can stretch the floor, be a pick and roll partner for Brad, be a different hub of the offense where he can, where, where Brad can be an off ball threat. Um, what, what did you think about the move at the time, and how do you think it has uh, and the experiment of Porzingis being the number two to Bradley Beal has, has gone so far? Um, at the time, it was pretty. I mean, it was really stunning. So we knew the guys that they sent to Dallas had to go. Bertans was just not working out anymore. And Spencer Dinwiddie was obviously involved in, like, that kind of group of guys that was not working well in Washington's locker room. So it wasn't surprising to see them go. But to get a guy like Porzingis back, I don't think – it was just so unknown because he hadn't played consistently in so long, obviously. He was kind of like this really interesting guy as a – almost someone whose star has had faded a little bit. So we didn't quite know what the Wizards were getting. And we also had the sense that, like, he wasn't going to be able to get on court with Bradley Beal until this year. So it was kind Mm -hmm. of like he was still shut down, I believe, for the first couple of weeks. So it was kind of like, are you going to ramp him up? I remember that was the first big story after the trade deadline is, what are you going to do with this guy who's been sitting on the bench since however long? And if you are going to ramp him up, what's the rush and why? And the Wizards were really insistent on, we want to get him on the floor. We want to get him, you know, understanding Wes Unsell Jr.'s system. We want to get him a little bit of chemistry with Kuzma, that matters. Um, But all throughout the summer, that was like, it it became kind of the joke on the Wizards. Be like, hey, did you know these guys haven't, these three guys haven't shared the court yet, ever? Um, And so much felt like it was riding on, not just this kind of trio of guys, but especially on Bradley Beal and Porzingis, getting along, everybody being happy in their role, and playing well off of each other. So I think as far as kind of those two are, are concerned and the trio in general is concerned, this has gone as well as, as Washington could have ever hoped um, from that standpoint. And it's been really interesting to me just to see. I remember I talked to um, KP a little bit after he got to D.C. just to see how he was settling in and kind of what he wanted this new chapter in his career to be about. And he said, I just want to, I just want to stay on court and prove to people that I am not the injury prone guy that they think I am. And I think people will remember who I am once that happens. Um, Which, you know, is something he said to reporters in the past and everything like that. But he, he seems to be kind of fulfilling everything he set out so far. Do you think that there's an obvious fourth piece if Kuzma is going to be the, the third guy or do you think there's something I mean is it the point guard spot that Monty Morris 
from an objective chair, it doesn't seem to be anything more than just kind of like a stopgap solution, right? Mm-hmm. Is there something? Is there something that um, stands out to you as the obvious kind of missing piece to turn this from a team that could be anywhere from the six seed to the ten seed to a team that's like firmly a postseason team? Yeah, and I, I don't actually think it's the it's the point guard spot, which was also a really big storyline coming in, is Washington can't keep a, a steady point guard on the roster. That's kind of been the issue for the past couple of years, like you mentioned, with Russ leaving and everything like that. I think the, this offense with these three guys runs itself enough, and, and Beal can kind of um, filter everything enough that it's not the point guard. But honestly, who would be perfect for this is Rui Hachimura coming off the bench, a guy who can kind of keep whatever defensive success that first group has had, if there, if there is any, which, you know, sometimes this year there is a little bit with the Wizards, but somebody who can kind of carry over good defense to the second unit so there isn't this huge slide backwards once the starters sub out, um, and who can, you know, Hachimura started hitting threes last year. He just, he just is in an interesting place with the team, I'll say, since he obviously didn't sign a, um, an extension to his rookie contract by the time the deadline rolled around this year. And now he's out with an ankle sprain that turned into a bone bruise or that later became, you know, revealed to be a bone bruise. So he hasn't played since November 18th. Um, and he is the only other scorer in double figures on this team other than those top three guys. Uh, so it, it would be somebody who's big, who, who they can kind of sub into the lineup when needed if somebody like a Kuzma is out. Um, sub into the starting lineup, excuse me, if needed, when Kuzma's out, who can play defense on the other end, especially against, you know, when he has good matchups against other second unit guys, they would ideally like to have a versatile forward like that. Um, Denny Avdia is another name who it's it's kind of like they have guys in the right positions. They're just not living up to their potential, not certainly not living up to their draft potential when you look at their um, draft positions. But Washington really needed one of those guys to hit. Yeah, um, there's there's four lottery picks on this team of, of recent years that yeah. have none of them have truly, I mean, I think Denny's the furthest along and the one that I think Washington people I speak with are most confident about in terms of like, there's a role for him. He's clearly taken all the strides on the defensive side of the ball. It's more about finishing and shooting and actually kind of knowing what to do once he does get in the paint because he can like I was yeah. watching that Nets game like he's, it's very easy for him to attack closeouts and use his size especially on smaller defenders to, to, to get to the rim it's just a matter of how to finish what to do when he's there like kind of having a plan in place but being adaptive to what the defense gives you um Kispert's been good enough I mean he's shooting 46 from deep right now I'm looking and he just he hasn't shown any more of the any more of the guard package outside of really being a shooter at this point, right? Like, is that fair right. to say? Yes, but which they'll take, they'll happily take Corey's shooting for sure. But they need him to be a little bit more consistent if that's going to be his thing. Um, he can't kind of waver up and down, and he's kind of one of those guys who's also fallen prey to that second unit just being an absolute mess and and coming out flat and having different guys every day, but. Yeah, they're, they're happy with Corey on the whole. Um, just want him to kind of shore things up. And I, I like that you mentioned uh, about Abdiya having a plan once he gets in the paint. I think a huge part of his trajectory when you look at where they want him to develop is just maturing mentally a little bit. Not only just having a plan or having an idea, but he, he just gets so frustrated still. <laughs> and he always says it doesn't detract or anything, but like confidence, getting distracted when his 
offense, when his shot isn't falling, making silly mistakes on defense, and then like absolutely letting it wreck his night is just something that he falls prey to so, so often um, that he will say, you know, it's something he absolutely needs to work on as well. Like he has all the skills, and again, he has the size and body that make the Wizards say, yeah, he's going to be part of our long-term plan, but um, just needs a little bit more more maturity there, which is a weird thing to say about a guy who's been playing pro, even though he's overseas, but uh, since he was a teenager. Yeah, well, I saw it this summer. I watched a lot of Eurobasket, mm-hmm. and when he's supposed to be the guy in Israel, mm-hmm. or, or for Israel, and the ball wasn't swimming, swinging back to him, he kind of got a little petulant at times, like yeah. slapping his thighs and throwing his hands up, like, give me the ball back. This is my team. I should be getting the ball. But he is... He's a young guy in that team, just like he is in Washington. I, I, I don't think that's nearly like remotely the same situation he's got now. I mean, he, he seems to clearly understand his pecking order, and I, I don't think that's what the frustrations are. But you're right; it, it seems like he kind of does show, show his emotions on his sleeve a bit. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I've heard that from people too who have kind of watched him at EuroBasket and say, you know, he's used to a certain level of deference overseas and and um you're absolutely right that he he understands his role on the team but he just I think it's okay to show your emotions I think that's fine no one's telling him not to do that but he just gets so carried away with them um and it it seems like a lot a lot of times nobody can kind of rein him in and he's really got to work hard on that can you tell our listeners a bit about how awesome Jordan Goodwin is (laughs) <laughs> Jordan Goodwin is the best. Oh, man. He is the best thing I've heard about Jordan Goodwin this year. I think it was actually Will Barton who said it. Um, Jordan Goodwin is a two-way player who started out last year with the Capital City Go-Go, who's the, the Wizards G League affiliate. Um, really good kid from from Illinois, but played in St. Louis, played college in St. Louis, has been on Bradley Beal's AAU team since he was in seventh grade, I think it is, sixth or seventh grade. So he's known uh, Beal for a really long time. Just the the smiliest kid you'll ever see. Um, and he plays so hard. And I think it was Will Barton who said he the way he plays reminds me that, like, I love this game, that it's not just my job, but reminds me that I love to, like, hoop and play basketball and try hard and, and you know, dive for balls and things like that. And um, Jordan Goodwin is absolutely – he's all over the court for these guys. He tries really hard on defense, which was huge uh, kind of earlier in November when it seemed like there was just – not there was an effort vacuum I guess or an energy vacuum and he's a guy who can really kind of kick an entire game into gear I think because a lot of kind of these veteran NBA players will be like whoa this kid's this kid's coming for me like I gotta (laughs) I gotta get myself in gear here but um he's a guy who's just gonna absolutely stuff the stat line like he'll have six assists a night he'll have five rebounds just doing a little bit of everything that's really really helpful for the Wizards because they do kind of kind of tend to get into this rhythm where they look almost complacent on court um and Jordan Goodwin is a really good energy shock for that and he's also just he's just a total delight to talk to too yeah he, he's got a lot of shit to him that's kind of the easiest way to boil it down <laughs> like you need I should have just you're, said that <laughs> yeah what you need when you're on the bubble of the league right and absolutely he's played his way into I mean I, I'm not necessarily reporting this. This is more of an educated guess, but like I'd be shocked if he doesn't get picked up full time and, and, and he's no longer a two way player. I don't know when that when that will be happening, but I think, I think if you're if you could if there's a line somewhere on Fanduel or whatever for two way players being picked up, I would be hammering Jordan Goodwin right now. <laughs> I would be very very surprised. There is no downside to that. I think. 
So for the what's what, what's kind of next for this team at large? Maybe this is too broad of a question, but you kind of said it earlier in that this has kind of been the story of Washington for at least the last two years, but also kind of the last little era. Like, they've been decent. They had streaks of highs and lows, but they haven't exactly really established themselves in, in any real direction with, with Brad here. What, what where, where do you see – Kind of outside of maybe a trade for uh, a mobile versus a big like you, like you talked about. There's, what are the things that you've heard, you know, coaches or staffers talk about needing to improve upon? How, how do they take kind of a a next leap here with just what they've got in front of them at the moment? Yeah, um, that's a really good question and something that I've been kind of asking myself about this team since August because I don't think there's a, a super clear answer, at least with the group that they have in front of them, because um, they've been pretty upfront about saying that this is not their, they don't believe that this is their long-term set roster as is. It's kind of uh, the Wizards, at least in the beginning of the season, had, were pitched to me as something that was definitely still in process of this kind of revitalization, not rebuild, but revitalization thing where um, this more than likely is not the final group. But as is, Wes Unseld would answer that question and saying he's really still trying as a second-year coach to kind of teach good culture and good habits, um, which to me, my response was, you just signed a guy who's been here for a decade. How do you not have entrenched habits and culture yet? But um, in Bradley Beal, but for them, it's it's really got to be about getting out of kind of the the doldrums of the NBA. And they've been stuck in this no man's land of not drafting super high, drafting around 10th, 9th in the lottery. Um, and those guys have not been hitting the way that they, that Washington really needs to. And, and you're not necessarily going to get a franchise altering player at that spot in the lottery either. So it's like, how do you push past that and start really winning games, which is what Bradley Beal says he wants to do or get a better lottery pick. Um, so it's kind of about breaking the cycle like that for the wizards. And I think something that they've hit on with KP and Brad is at least something that they can solidly build around now. For some reason, it has been really hard to find Bradley Beal, who is ostensibly the easiest player in the NBA, allegedly, you know, to go and play with. Every team was saying, yeah, sure, come on our roster and you'll be a great number two, number three, whatever. It's been really hard to find him a number two or number three, though. So now that the Wizards have kind of done that in Porzingis, um, I think it's about building from there. And that's how they they get out of that that really horrible cycle, that really uh, unsatisfying cycle, I will say, that they've been in for the past couple of seasons, or if you're a sports fan in D.C., what feels like the past decade and a half. Yeah. The John Collins stuff, I think, is or has been real. Interesting, yeah. I I, I do know that they had conversations with Atlanta at some point in time Mm -hmm. in these last two years where John's been available. But I think the Porzingis trade – does kind of complicate that pursuit in that it's a lot of money to tie up into two guys in, in that front court. And while the league is about stacking, you know, stars, when you, when you, I mean, it's kind of the problem land is facing right now. When you stock, when you stack too many big contracts for a team that isn't exactly a contender, it really does kind of do a disservice to the rest of your tinkering. And like you said, this this Washington front office, especially under Tommy Shepard, they they tinkered, right? They've made oh, yeah. plenty of trades. Um, they they seem to always be sniffing around, and, and I mean, I think from 
my understanding, the big, you know, sign and trade with Dinwiddie and Russ going out the door was like very, it wasn't like fully driven by Washington, but you know, they, they were stretching it into all these different avenues. So clearly the wizards are creative and, and have looked at, have looked to turn over every stone they can to make this team a bit better. Um, I just don't, I don't know if the Collin, if the Collins thing is is something that can still come to fruition um, now, especially in that. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, yep, his, his name has <laughs> definitely been floated around on the trade market for the last couple months, if you will, and in, in that he does have a player option heading into next season, which at this rate is probably declining. That I think it's around ten. I would be million. really surprised if he didn't decline it. Exactly. So, is he someone that? Washington does even want to pay at that number. Maybe there's a player like John Collins that they'd rather have at that. You know, so there are a lot of pivot points, and this is just to kind of lay out the board in that I think Washington's in an interesting spot where they can choose a number of different avenues where there are teams like the Lakers, let's say, who are boxed into a corner where they only have a couple of contracts they could possibly move, let alone, you know, a multitude of players that certain teams would like differently than others, what have you. And the Wizards have a bunch of mid-tier salaries from Kuzma to Monty Morris. If they even want to go there, DeLon Wright, I don't think they'd want to really go there, but he's just, he's an interesting player. I think has valued all all through all those lottery picks and Rui and Denny. Mm. Um, So it's, uh, it's just interesting what that they have a kind of a, a multitude of, of paths that they can choose. And I, I am not that they have the potential to make a deal that could really change them. I mean, I guess they, they do. I, I, no one saw the Porzingis thing happening, but they're just, they're an interesting team in that they might not be one move away from competing for the title, but they're definitely one move away from shuffling their deck in a really um, intriguing way. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and in talking about, you know, Tommy Shepard's four draft picks since he took over that general manager spot from Eddie Grunfeld. Not that they necessarily haven't hit yet in the way that the team wants them to on court, but if they can put a couple of those contracts together or get something really big back for one of those guys, that definitely counts as hitting and in, in bringing back a, a really solid, um, a really solid player in a trade. The Wizards would be absolutely overjoyed to have that happen for sure I think they have a lot of they have a lot of pieces to play with you know I I like that you um said tinkering is a really good way to put it but Tommy Shepard always has seems to have a lot of pieces on his chessboard that he likes to be able to move around is there anything else about this team that I should be asking you about any storyline any player that you have found yourself drawn to or, or that you're curious to see how it all unfolds I'm I'm really really just interested to see um, how things will shake out with Kyle Kuzma. I think he's a really interesting player in the NBA right now, just from a, I guess, from a kind of reporter's standpoint in terms of his arc is going to be really interesting. Like he, when he got to Washington, he was so clearly like personally wounded by that trade from LA. And I think he's talked a ton about just how much that changed, um, just his outlook on the league and how he views the NBA as a business and how he wants to run his career going forward. Um, so like you said, I would be really, really surprised to see him uh, pick up that player option. I, I think he's, 
he would be certainly inclined to just see what options he has. That's exactly what he's playing for. He said at the beginning of the season, after he kind of reached this new scoring, these new scoring heights last season, that this year, okay, I want to do it consistently and, and help make my teammates better and, and try to do it that way. And he's done that in terms of the consistency factor for sure. So I would not be surprised at all if he wants to go out and test his worth. Yeah, I think he kind of felt untouchable for the Lakers when he wasn't part of the Anthony Davis package. Yeah. And then what was it? A year or two later, he's being sent out the door for across the country. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he clearly turns out, you said he has got an interesting path as an NBA player. I mean, he clearly has more of a, more of a brand than your average player of his salary structure and, skill level right like he's not he's not an all-star he's not he's not too too far from that fringe but he's got he's in commercials and he's got a you know the packageable cruise nickname is like a thing yeah. that yeah he's not an all-star but he's a good businessman for sure yeah yeah and he, i believe his uh romantic life has further <laughs> propelled him into instagram and tiktok fame yep so that's just something to i, I mean People in, in considering Brad's situation throughout the last two years and should he stay or should he go, like the $250 million number that he could have only gotten in Washington, uh, there are many, many more reasons that go into decisions than just one thing. But like the fact that Brad is not someone who has his own signature sneaker line, you know, all these commercial deals and whatever, he's not raking in like generational stuff from non-basketball, I think mm. that's a played some type of factor in getting the check with the hometown team as much as he also said to Gilbert Arenas that there wasn't a lot else out there, right? Yeah. So with, with Kuzma, like, he could, I mean, he was in L.A. and now he's still Kuz in D.C. of all places. Not to say D.C. is, you know, the middle of nowhere, but it's not the same market as LA, especially in, the, in terms of the celebrity of it all. So No, he tells us that all the time. He tells us uh, the DC reporters are soft compared to LA reporters, which we absolutely are. I'm fine with that. There you go. So yeah, that, that's just <laughs> another factor of his path, if you will, that I think will be something, it, it will be a factor in terms of where he wants to go, how he envisions himself in the next stage of his career. But that, that I don't think is necessarily a factor in other players on his timeline and skill level. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And he, he isn't, um, he isn't scared of leaving anymore. I think leaving LA was a really scary thing for him and starting over with a new team. And, and I don't think that's a fear he has anymore. There you go. All right, Ava, this has been great. I've asked you a bunch of questions before you get out of here. I think it's only fair. You don't have to, cause I'm putting you on the spot, but if you want to mm -hmm. ask me something, I'm all here. Um, I just, I'm wondering who I haven't the team that I really haven't been able to keep many tabs on right now is Portland. And I'm wondering if there's anything exciting you about Portland or if you've gotten to see them much lately. I can't remember why I was thinking about them the other day, but I was like, I really haven't checked in on them that much this season. I'm very excited about Shaden Sharp. Really? Oh, good. I, okay. Yeah. I don't know what happened, but every team outside of Portland that he worked out for gave him the most negative review possible from his workout in terms of body language, energy, interview produ production, and like 
if you asked every team outside of Portland, he was falling and maybe could have fallen to like the teens. But sure enough, he goes seven. And then come, uh, what was it? The very first game of Summer League, he backed out and or had a, sh- a little shoulder thing that didn't play. And mm-hmm. Dave was calling him out, basically. He's like subtweeting him in his interview, like saying, like, we got to play games. And there was just, like, a lot of concern about if Shaden Sharp was anything more than an idea. And now he's already showing flashes of legitimate, crazy upside in the NBA that I think all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, the talent and the upside that could have clearly – people said he had the talent and the upside that could have been worthy of the number one pick in this year's draft. So wow. if this can continue, I mean – the Warriors are in an interesting spot in that they've got, you know, Jordan Poole waiting in the wings whenever Steph Curry does hang it up. They have Anthony Simons and, and Shaden Sharp waiting to kind of, I mean, Simons is already the Robin to Dame's Batman. If he can move up one rung on the totem pole and Sharp can either be his 1B or his number two, it'll be an interesting opportunity for a small market like that that, has, that does pride itself on, on being – in the postseason picture perennially, kind of like Washington does. Hmm. Thank you. That was just a great, like, little cheat code there for (laughs) – thank you so much, Jake. There you go. Anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, Just my work on the Washington Post, uh, which you can find, I guess, by Googling Washington Post Sports or Washington Post is my name. I don't know. Going to the website. Hopefully you go to our website. But, um, yeah, just Wizards coverage throughout the year. Got a story up on a little bit of what we talked about, about how much these guys rely on the big three and how much they need from everybody else now, especially now that Beal's going to be sidelined with that uh, hamstring. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back sometime this week. Not sure when, not sure with who, but it'll happen. (laughs) Take care. Enjoy the games. Thank you, Ava. Thanks, Jake.